Praise the Lord. Uh, my friends, this morning we continue our series entitled uh, Kingdom Alignment. And uh, I hope that you have been blessed so far. We are exploring many, uh, several different principles from the kingdom of God that we believe that when we come into alignment with them will help us be more effective. Amen. It's one thing to be efficient. It's another thing to be effective. Amen. We want to do both. When you're efficient, you do things right, but when you're effective, you do the right things. And that's what we are trying to do as a church as we move forward. We want to do both. We want to be effective and efficient, of course. Uh, today's uh, message will lead us into exploring one of the kingdom principles that we would do very well to come into alignment with. And it, it is this principle of uh, having concern for lost humanity having concern for lost humanity, uh, being aware of those who are around us who are lost and without Jesus. And I, we believe that uh, the story and the text and the account that we're about to read has really, really very powerful and practical implications and applications for us as individuals and as a church. We will see some principles here that if we come into alignment with them, we will be effective in reaching those around us. I'd like to invite us now to read the text, which comes from Acts 17. Uh, we'll read verse 16 and then 22 through 28. Why don't we read it together? While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols. Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Of course, my friends, when we look at the book of Acts, we're essentially looking at the earliest historical account of the church. Uh, what we find in the book of Acts is the development and expansion of the Christian church. We can look at each chapter and kind of, you might remember when the day of Pentecost happened, took place in Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus ascending to heaven and promising, promising his disciples that they would receive power from on high to go and be his witnesses. When we come into chapter 2, we find that promise fulfilled when they were uh, empowered, when the Holy Spirit was outpouring, the day of Pentecost took place. Then if we go over to chapter 3, we find now the church began to go out and minister as a unit 
empowered by the Holy Spirit, doing great signs and wonders and preaching the gospel boldly. Those, some of them who were timid before, who were afraid, out now they are boldly proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible continues on in Acts chapter 4, how uh, the, with great power the church gave witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can go on and on. When we go to chapter uh, 9, there is a man now who had been persecuting the church. You might be familiar with him. His name is Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Now, he was a, a religious leader. He was a Pharisee, very well-trained, very well-educated individual. But something happened in Acts chapter 9 that changed the course of his life forever. As he was on his way to persecute the church, he had an encounter with the risen Christ. And he was blind for three days thereafter. So he, that put, set him on a course to now turn from being the persecuted, uh, persecutor of the church to being the promoter of the church. A tremendous impact he had in, in the church in the New Testament and continues to, to have today. Uh, we believe that he wrote 13 or maybe 14, depending on which scholar you follow that might believe that he wrote the book of uh, Hebrews or not. Uh, at any rate, he wrote, a, he wrote at least 13 books of our, of our New Testament. So he has uh, uh, influenced the church to a great degree. Now when we come into our text this morning in Acts 17, we find Paul in his second missionary journey. There were three major journeys that he undertook, and we won't be able to go into all of the details of those journeys, but uh, he had, he, um, chap chapter 13, he began, he was uh, appointed to go into the first missionary journey. He was, hands were laid hands on him. And then now when we go into this area, uh, when we find ourselves in chapter 17, this is part of his second missionary journey. They were just, him and his companions uh, had just, once again, un undergone some uh, persecution. And now he is coming into this city of Athens in Greece. Now when he comes into the city of Athens, we just read it, that the text says that he was deeply distressed when he saw the city, how it was full of idols. So as we look at this text in our passage this morning, there were three things, my friends, that Paul did that you and I would do well to consider if we are going to align ourselves with the kingdom of God's concern for lost humanity. There's number one, Paul, Paul saw. Number, number two, Paul felt. And number three, Paul shared. So he saw, he felt, he shared. Verse, uh, verses 22 and 23 tells us how Paul saw something. It says here, uh, Paul stood in the, mid, in the middle of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you are extremely, extremely religious in every respect. So he saw something. Then he continued, For I was, as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. So he saw them not just physically speaking, he saw them spiritually. He located them spiritually. Can I tell you that you and I are called to do the same thing? If we are going to align ourselves with the kingdom of God, with the kingdom's a concern for lost humanity, with Jesus' passion for lost humanity, we have to slow down enough to see people and, and to go beyond just the, the surface, you know, small talk sometimes, 
We want to be able to see people, to locate them where they are spiritually, so we can begin to have conversations with them that are meaningful. Paul saw the people. He saw that they were extremely religious. Now let me share with you that this is not a compliment here. It is not a compliment. If you go back and you study this out, you will find that uh, these people had thousands of different deities and so on. That was very much a part of the Greco-Roman world. There were so many deities, so many gods. So basically he's saying, look, you guys, you're looking for something. You're religious. I see it. You're trying to find something. Can I say to you that the same is true of people in our day today? They're looking for something. They're uh, experimenting with all kinds of uh, practices, some of which come from New Age, and, and they're engaging in all kinds of things that are not part of the biblical God that we know, and not the real God, really. There's another person that I'm reminded of who also saw people around him. That was Jesus. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, the Bible says that Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. There are people all around us who are harassed and helpless, like sheep without a ship. Oh, they might be harassed with, with hopelessness, with depression, okay, with lack of truth. That's a, that's a great commodity today, believe it or not. <laughs> we take for granted sometimes the truth that we do have. There are people out there as confused as they can be, I promise. And all you have to do is listen in. All, you have to do, all we have to do sometimes is slow down enough to where we can see or actually see people and hear their conversations, and you will see, you will begin to locate uh, where, they, where people are at. And sometimes people that might call themselves, you know, Christians. But if you, if you probe a little deeper, you will find that they're dabbling with the Bible, but they're also dabbling with crystals or, or with, you know, reading the poem or whatever else that they're doing. So there, there's confusion going on because we're not... There's so much confusion today, many people are not centered. They are not settled in the fact that indeed the Bible is true and our God is the one true God. To Him be all the glory. Amen. So Paul saw the people. The second thing that he did is that he felt. He felt something. When we look back at verse 16, it says that when while Paul was waiting for them, he was waiting for his two companions that were just, uh, they stayed behind in Thessalonica because there were some persecution followed them all throughout some of these areas that they were preaching the gospel. And the church in that area had to send Paul out of the area so they wouldn't, he wouldn't be killed. So he, he was here in Athens waiting for his companions, basically. But while he was waiting, the text says that he was deeply distressed. He was deeply distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols. It's a great day, my friends, when you and I allow ourselves to be deeply distressed, deeply moved with the condition of our world. It's a great day when you and I 
can, can slow down enough, perhaps press pause on our daily activities and, 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 and do something different if we have to in order to really see people, to really feel people, to allow ourselves to, to realize and to see that indeed people without Jesus are utterly and ultimately lost. It'll be hard, it will be really hard to really see some, a, a person, spiritually speaking, and to think through what awaits them if they don't come to Jesus and not be concerned for them. Again, we're talking about coming into alignment with this kingdom principle of being concerned with lost humanity. God is the greatest missionary ever. He sent Jesus. The church is a movement. It's a missionary enterprise. If you look at the book of Acts, some people say that it's, it's so, supposed to be uh, descriptive, but it's also prescriptive in that there, while it describes the early church, it also gives us some prescription as to how the church ought to operate today. There are many principles that we can glean from if we are going to be faithful in gospel ministry. This being a major one, being concerned for lost humanity around us. When was the last time that you allowed yourself to be deeply concerned, deeply moved by the spiritual condition of a friend or family member? When was the last time? Perhaps you can begin to pray for a person, and it, it doesn't fail. I, I, I promise you almost that always that if you begin to pray for someone, God begins to show you some of their spiritual condition. As you begin to pray for them, your heart is open. And God begins to lead you and to guide you in how to, how to pray for that person, how to minister to that person. So Paul saw, he saw the people. He felt something as a result of what he saw. When he saw that the city was full of idols there, he was concerned, very concerned. The city of Athens was the center of, of, uh, of culture in that time. It was one of the epicenters of culture and learning and ideas. And our text spoke about the Areopagus. That was, a, that was like a forum, if you will. It was a forum of people who would gather to discuss philosophical ideas of the day. In fact, the, the Bible continues in the book of Acts that some of those uh, people there, that's all they did. They would just gather around every so often just to hear whatever new teaching was going around. They just, they were just, that was their job, to kind of just uh, you know, sit around until somebody came up with some new idea. You know? Doesn't that sound like today in some regards? You know? <laughs> some new thing came up. Now we're talking about this. Now the new fad or whatever. And we have to be careful as a church that we don't get caught up in that. We have to be faithful to the Scripture and continue to be aligned in the kingdom of God. So Paul saw, Paul felt, but most importantly, Paul shared something with them. Hear these words again from verses 23 and 24, where Paul said, if, uh, As I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which it was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in shrines, shrines made by hands. 
And he continued on speaking about the greatness of God. This is a key point for us here, my friends, because it shows us the great skill that Paul possessed of being able to build bridges with his audience. If Paul would have begun this address here by talking about the Old Testament or the Jewish scriptures, he would have lost the audience. Why? Because they're not Jewish. They don't come from that background. This is a whole different context. They didn't understand much about the Old Testament and the law and all of that. That was not part of their thinking. But Paul began to address them, and he began to say to them how, to demonstrate to them that he had even read up on their own poets. So he was learning their culture. He had spent some time before learning about them. And that's something that you and I are to seriously consider doing. We have to, that's why nowadays, uh, the problem the last year or so, I've watched the news even more closely I, I, because I like to see uh, what, what is going on in our world. Preachers and teachers of the Bible, we, we have to have on one hand the Bible, yes, to study it, to interpret it correctly, to understand it. But we also, on the other hand, have to have culture. We have to know what's going on. Because if we don't, we will find ourselves answering questions that no one is asking. So we have to be able to do both. Know God, know the scriptures, but also know our audience. And that's exactly, precisely what the apostle Paul was able to do. In fact, he said to them, he might have shocked them. He said, even as your own poets have said, that probably, what, does this guy know us? Does he know enough about us to even have that authority to quote about our own poets? Yes, he did. I'm not saying that we have to go out and get a, get a PhD or, or a degree in something, but just let us be aware of how and what our culture is talking about so that we can engage in meaningful conversation. Maybe you, and let me tell you that what works with, some, with one person may not work with the next. You might have a friend or a family member that might be an atheist, but they're really into science. Well, you can begin a science conversation with them that will lead them to Jesus. Am I right? <laughs> you, may, you may have someone else that is really uh, into uh, literature or whatever that might be. You can point them to the Bible. It's, it's a tremendous piece of literature with all kinds of lit literally forms there, different types of literature that you can uh, begin to have the conversation. There are different things that will work with different people. But the key is being able to to see them, is being able to see where people are. Are we seeing the people around us, my friends? Are we feeling for them? Do we really realize that they need Jesus? You know, I want to encourage us to do just that, to learn from the Apostle Paul. There's much more to this story here, and I would encourage you to go and read it yourself in Acts 17 and the rest of Paul's ministry because it gives us a great example of what it's like to really uh, connect with, with our communities and with our environment in a meaningful way. Are we seeing the people around us? Are we really feeling for them? Do we allow their lostness, do we allow their condition to impact our hearts, to impact, to impact our thinking? Do we, do we uh, does, our, does our heart break? with the things that break God's heart, and that is people. So I invite us, my friends, 
to follow the example of the Apostle Paul and really of Jesus ultimately because he also saw the crowds. And as he saw them, he had compassion on them and for them. There are people today who are help, helpless like a sheep without a shepherd because they have no truth. How can you have hope without truth? You can't. They have no moral comp compass. They don't know really. They're just living for today, not knowing what awaits tomorrow. That's, that's a terrible way to live life. <laughs> not knowing what happens after this is all over with. After this, you know, when we, when we turn the page of this life, what will be waiting for me? That is not a place, a good place to be. But many people avoid the conversation because it's so uncomfortable and they feel so hopeless. But you and I, we are Christ's ambassadors. Amen. We have been sent here to this community and to the world to share this gospel, to see people, to feel for people, and to share the hope, the love, and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to them and to minister to them in a meaningful way. Would you pray with me now? Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you help us to, lead, uh, to learn from the apostles uh, Paul's example in how he was able to build bridges to really connect with the people and to share the gospel in a meaningful way, to issue a full statement of your truth. I pray that you help us, Lord. Help us to do just that. Help us to see people. Help us to, to feel for them and help us to share what you have given us to share. Uh, we don't have to know it all. We don't have to even quote Bible verses if we don't know them. But we can share our truth. We can share what you have done for us and our own experience with you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you drive this truth home to us, to our hearts today. That when we leave this place of worship today, that we will be looking for people to see and to feel for and to ultimately share the gospel with. Just that one person. Lead us to just one person, even that one person, perhaps at the grocery store, at the gym, at the golf course, perhaps a family member that is away out of state that we have conversations with. Whoever you might lead us to, help us to reach out to even one person to see them, to feel for them, and to share the gospel with them in a way that they can understand. I pray for the grace to do that as we continue on this journey of discipleship, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.